Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Everywhere we choose to speak carries weight, weight that releases from our intentions and is set in motion on one or two paths, paths that are clearly defined and kept in line by the power of the tongue, path one, where our words are aimed to destroy, harsh words filled with hate-filled lies that just add to the noise, but these same words can be sent down another path, a path where our intentions and our words can beautifully aspire to send words of blessing on a destiny to inspire true words spoken in love that are meant to lift higher for there's no such thing as wasted breath because our words are breathing fire. I read an article this past week that reminded me the importance of preparation when it comes to matters of life or death. The article was about a Russian man named Nikolay who we will refer to as Nick from this point forward. And Nick found himself in a position none of us would ever want to encounter, alone in a Siberian forest, and the only thing he could hear was the low growl of a large animal. Now, Nick turned around to see a half-ton grizzly bear standing in front of him. Nick was unprepared. He didn't have a weapon, he didn't have any loud noisemaker to scare the thing away, so he did the only thing he knew to do, and he began screaming like a schoolchild. I don't know if the bear didn't speak Russian or what took place after this, but the bear began his attack. He pounced on Nick, took him to the ground, and began to maul him. Now, at one point during this vicious attack, the bear took his mighty jaw and he clamped it over Nick's face. And Nick did the only thing he could think to do, and he bit the tongue out of that bear. True story. The bear, recoiled in pain, went running back into the forest. Nick, beaten and bruised but barely hanging on, had some friends that came and found him, rescued him, took him to the hospital where he fully recovered. And as far as our bear goes, the bear that was once known as a half-ton grizzly bear in the forest is now known as a half-tongued grizzly bear in the forest. Y'all, that's the third time I've gotten to tell that joke and it gets better every time, Mm, that's good. (laughs) But I learned a couple things from this story. The first is that I don't wanna encounter a bear and get in a bear fight anytime soon. The second, I don't wanna fight a Russian anytime soon. Those guys are scrappy, they will bite your tongue literally out of your mouth. The third is that if I'm gonna enter into a situation of life or death, I need to be prepared. What we're gonna begin today is a series about the power of our tongue, that our tongue has the power of life and death. And I wonder for how many of us we've put in the proper preparations to make sure that our words are always casting life, to make sure that our words are not broadcasting death. Have we put in the preparation necessary? You know, we're in a world where life or death situations, we put in some extra preparation. You think about what happens. Before our 16-year-olds are allowed to drive on the street by themselves, what takes place? First, mom and dad, we pray a lot, right? Please, Lord, be with them. Then they go to driver's ed, where they're taught to merge onto oncoming traffic, where they're taught to use that little stick that's on the right of the steering wheel called a turn signal. Some of y'all forgot what that thing was. 
Why? We're training them because we know the importance of these moments that are life or death. We train them to make sure that when they merge onto traffic, they don't get in a car wreck. We train them because it's a matter of life or death. You think about the doctor that you wanna go to. If you find out you have a grave illness, what doctor do you wanna go to? Do you wanna go to the first year resident or do you wanna go to the 30 year veteran that you know has success in this field? Well, you wanna go to the veteran because he or she has knowledge and has prepared well for your life or death situation. That we take matters of life and death very seriously. And today as we open this series called Breathing Fire, The Power of Our Words, I want us to begin to see that every word that comes out of your mouth has the power of life or the power of death. And I wanna make sure we're well prepared for this life or death situation. You think about it. How many of you, by a show of hands at all of our campuses, as well as online, raise a hand if this is you, that you can remember a moment from your childhood, maybe from your middle school or your high school, that someone spoke a word to you and it cut deep. You still remember what got said, you still remember the pain, raise a hand right now. Yeah, all over the auditorium we have hands that are raised. Y'all, I was a red-headed homeschool kid. I had a bullseye the size of a barn on my back for mean words, okay? And I still remember to this day things that were said to me in middle school or high school or elementary school that were unkind. Yeah, we teach these statements like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never, you fill in the gap? That words will never hurt me? Like, who came up with this statement? I guess they aren't really living in our reality because we understand the power that words can have. Now, on the flip side of that coin, how many of us in this room, by a show of hands, do you remember someone who spoke life into you? Someone who was a mentor, an encourager, they talked about how they believed in you and what you could become? As an elementary school, middle school kid, raise a hand right now if you remember that conversation. Why? Because words have the power of life that I might not be standing here as a pastor today without a youth pastor speaking life into me and going, Chris, I believe in what you could be. Chris, I believe in what God is doing. Without a mom and dad that encouraged me all along the way going, God is gonna use you for mighty things, Christopher. That those were the kind of statements I can recall as a kid also that brought life. I think what we're gonna find today is that our words carry a good bit of power, yet I wonder if we have prepared properly for the power that they hold. We're gonna dive into the scripture and I want you to know that today's message is both for those of us that know Jesus and for those of us who aren't quite there yet. That you may be seated in this room exploring faith, you might be exploring what church is all about and I want you to know that today's message is for you because I think whether you know Jesus or not, we could all agree that as humanity, we could use some more words of life to get cast into the air around us, couldn't we? that we could use for life-giving words to be pronounced around us all the time, and I just wonder if we've defaulted to death more than we have life. If you have a Bible, I invite you to open it up to Proverbs chapter 18 is where we're gonna be. It's on your worship guide. It's also gonna be right here on this handy-dandy screen that I've got. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. If you have a pen, circle this word tongue and then draw an arrow to death and an arrow to life. That both death and life are in the power of the tongue. That every word that comes out of your mouth will either be a word of death or it will be a word of life. And I wonder if we've considered that reality for ourselves. 
Here's what we're gonna teach today is that every person seated in this room can begin speaking life to those around them when we understand some of the realities of our tongue. The first reality is this, that words can have the power of death. Some of you, you know it too well. So I wanna ask that question, how often have your words defaulted to death? This is actually our default position, that without Jesus taking control, the words that come out of our mouth will be defaulted to death. And I bet there's some areas in yours and my life that our words default to death. How about this one? You find out a little bit too late that the toilet paper roll is empty. What kind of words come out? Are they life-giving? I bet there's something more like, who used the last square? I'm stranded in here, right? Like this is the kind of words that come out, words of death. You think about it, anybody ever seen those Facebook groups that are your neighborhood Facebook group? And what happens when someone gets on there and talks about a restaurant? It gets vile real quick. I wouldn't feed that stuff to my dog, right? That there's a whole lot of death reeking in the words on social media these days. And that's the light stuff, but what about the heavy stuff? What about the way that our words have caused life or death in the relationships around us? How many of us, we could remember a time that a friendship was broken, a business relationship was broken, a marriage was broken, because our words were casting death. When we begin to peel back the surface a bit, we begin to see the power of our words. I read an article this week put out by the CDC and it was about the correlation between bullying and the rates of teen suicide. It said there's a direct coordination between the words that are spoken from the bully and the increased tendency for suicide-related behavior. But this is what was interesting. That it said it was not only an increased behavior in the kid being bullied, but it was an increased suicide-related behavior in the bully themselves. That the words that were being spoken were not only casting death on the student or the child being spoken to, but on the soul of the one speaking them themselves. That this is the power of our words, that our words can bring death. I want you to listen to what James chapter three has to say about our words. James chapter three, verse three. Now, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. All they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by such a small spark. Now, I am a city boy, born and raised in Dallas, and so I didn't really understand what a horse bit was all about whenever I read that scripture. But I talked to some buddies who are a little more countrified than me, and they helped me understand the power of a horse bit. That when you take an enormous animal like a horse and you put a bit in its mouth and that horse begins to be tamed by this bit, even a child can sit on its back and tug to the right and the horse will go to the right, or tug to the left and the horse will go to the left that that enormous animal is guided, its course is set by what the rider pulls on these reins. Such a small instrument, but can have such an incredible course correcting action. And so James begins to say that our tongue is very much like a horse's bit, that it sets the course for where we are going to go. So when you combine the truth of Proverbs 18 with the truth of James 3, our tongue will set the course for life or our tongue will set the course for death. 
that our tongue will set the course of your entire structure, your entire life towards death, or it will set it towards life. And I wonder for how many of us seated here today, if we're honest with ourselves, there's a whole lot more death that we are headed towards than life. And you know, a lot of times in sermons like these, we begin to go, okay, so I need to fix it. I don't need to gossip anymore. I don't need to, I don't need to use the, the coarse language I'm using any longer. And we like go into fix it mode. I think what we're gonna see today is that what's actually coming out of our mouth is much more than just a tongue condition, that it truly is a heart condition. See, there's a second reality that I want us to understand, and that is this, that our words reveal our character. That our words reveal something deeper inside of us that our words show the condition of our soul. Listen to what Luke chapter six says. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That what comes out of our mouth is what's living in our heart. You see, what Jesus is telling us is that we don't need tongue surgery, we need a heart transplant. That we don't need to just fix the external, we need to fix the internal problem that's at hand. You know, our words are revealing our character, and at times our words are setting a course for our path, and I wonder how often that they've set a course for our life and our marriages in ways we didn't want them to. Here's a surefire way, that your course will always be set towards death, that when we celebrate the weaknesses, when we focus on the failures, instead of celebrating the successes in the world around us, we will always set a course for death. That it's what our default is, is that we focus on the failures instead of celebrating the successes. You think about how that plays in your marriage. That you come home after a long day of work and instead of celebrating all the things that went right, what happens? Why is it that lawn mode? What have you been doing, watching football all day? Why, aren't the why isn't the laundry put up? Like what have you had to do today other than, well, these are the kind of dialogue we engage in our marriage. And it's not bringing life, it's bringing nothing but death. It's got a vile stench all over it. Think about how it plays out with your kid. That your kid that you put in the select sports league for so many years, you've gotten them private lessons, they swing and they miss strike three. And do our words give life or do they give death? Johnny, why could you not hit the ball? Man, I've had you in private lesson. Keep your eye on that ball. You gotta connect. And what happens? Our words don't bring life. They bring death. And although we might not use words like, Johnny, you're pathetic, or Johnny, you're worthless, I wonder if the tone and the intention says the very same message. That I wonder, are our words bringing life or death? Here's a question to ask. If someone spoke to your kids, if someone spoke to your wife or your husband the way that you do, would you be upset with them? Because if so, perhaps our words are bringing death instead of life. See, what's happening though is that our words are revealing our character. They are constantly showing what's happening inside our soul. Like Luke 6.45 said, that out of the heart flows what's going, out of the mouth flows what's going on inside our heart. And Jesus is telling us we don't need tongue surgery, we need a heart transplant. And I'm gonna tell you that there was never a time that this rang more true for me than in the first few years of Megan and I's marriage. That what I realized was I am the talker of our family, believe it or not, and my wife is the processor. So here's what would happen, is we would get in moments of conflict, 
and talker Chris would begin to go. Now, Megan needed a process, and I knew that, so what I could do is I could just start out talking her each and every time. Moments of conflict arise, I would talk her into a corner, I would pin it down to where she would just stop talking and I would have won that argument. And I was good at it, y'all. And I remember talking to my mom one time who speaks a lot of wisdom into my life even now as an adult. And I was telling her about this conflict Megan and I had had. And she said, well, did you win? I said, well, of course I won. And then she asked a more pointed question. She said, Christopher, what did you win? And I realized in that moment, what I had won was my wife feeling berated by my words. I realized in that moment what I had won was division in my marriage where my wife didn't feel the love that I'm supposed to be showing her. I, I realized what I'd won in that moment was my wife going, my husband doesn't really care about me. He doesn't care about what I have to say. That although I'd won the fight, I'd lost something so much more. And you see, what was happening was that my words, wasn't just, it wasn't just a problem about me being a fast talker. My words were revealing a character flaw. That inside my soul, I had a selfishness issue that I only cared about what I was gonna say. Inside my soul, in moments of conflict, it was showing an anger issue. And I would love to sit here and go, okay, well that was the 10 year ago, Chris. That guy's never come back out. But what was really hard is recently, God's revealed that that same man is still around. It is revealed it's around when my three year old disobeys. That believe it or not, preacher's kids aren't perfect, so the three year old still does three year old behavior. And I find myself going, Cedar, just stop right now, listen to me, don't say another word, listen to what I'm saying. And he stops, and he listens. But I wonder if my words have produced death or if they've produced life. See, there's great power in our words, and what our words are revealing is the condition of our character. And what, what an incredible moment that God gave us the ability to have an on-the-fly litmus test to how our soul is. That you think about it for yourself. What happens when you're driving down the highway, you're doing 85 in the fast lane, and 100 yards up ahead, somebody merges to the fast lane going about 45? What kind of words are coming up to the surface? God bless his soul, I'm so glad he got in front of me. No way, y'all, right? What are we doing? We're waiting for that choice moment where traffic gives you a gap that you can punch it, get up beside them, and behind the safety of your window, let them know everything you think about them, right? <laughs> and perhaps it's not an issue of being a fast talker in that moment. Maybe the fast talking is showing a condition of anger that your heart has. That maybe it's revealing an angry heart because when you're pressed, that's what comes out. How about this one, the, the prideful heart. See, the prideful heart has a disease called the one-up-itis that is always trying to cast how much further ahead you are. This is how that plays out. Someone's telling you about their kid that's on the school soccer club, and you start telling them, yeah, that's really great, but my kid's played select soccer for 10 years. They're probably gonna get a scholarship in an Ivy League, but I'm really glad for your kid having that school, that school kid. They start celebrating their Honda Civic and you start celebrating your Beamer. Have you ever felt Italian leather? It's so soft on the skin, right? <laughs> the one-up-itis shows a prideful heart that is more concerned with making sure that your life is elevated so that someone else is de-elevated. That's the one-up-itis. It's a symptom of the prideful heart. Do you find yourself always being the one having to get the last word? that you'll cut into a conversation solely to make sure that you get the last word. This is one of my issues, y'all. And what I found at the issue, the core of it, was a selfish heart. 
that I cared more about what my words were going to be cast than what my wife was going to say. You find yourself always being the one to give that last barb in the conversation. Do you use words as a weapon and at times you are a machine gun slinger with your words? That perhaps the inner condition is a heart of hate that is getting shown and broadcast through your words. That our words are constantly revealing our character. Ask this question of yourself. If someone took a pen and paper and wrote down every single word that came out of your mouth and they published it in a novel, what would that novel tell the story of? Would it tell the story of love or would it tell the story of hate? Would it tell the story of life or would it tell the story of death? And there may be some of you seated here today saying my story has been written and the story that's been written has much more death on it than it does life. And here's what I want you to know today that's the good news of who Jesus is, that Jesus is never done writing your story. He's never done. You're never too far gone. You've never spoken so much death that he cannot inject life. That's the nature of who Jesus is, that he came to give life and give it in abundance. And this includes giving life to your tongue. So here's the third reality that we're gonna know about our words that although they can create death and although they reveal our character, words can also bring life. That words can have the power of life. You think about it. That the words spoken into existence can bring life all around you. Where death is wreaking, life can be broadcast all the more. What an incredible responsibility that we've been given as believers in Jesus to speak life. What an incredible privilege that we have been given. So how do we do it? How do we get to the point where we know that our words are speaking life? I think it begins by us recognizing our power. That the first thing we've gotta do for our words to speak life is that we must recognize our own power. You know, a lot of times in sermons like this, we get in this habit of making a checklist, and we go, okay, I've gotta figure out all the things that I've gotta fix in my speech. Okay, yep, I gossip some, so I won't do that anymore. Okay, I yell at my kids, I'll work on that. Oh, bad language, I'll work on that. That we just go through this moral checklist to figure out all the things that we need to fix in our own tongue. And here's what I want you to hear today. Your good never produced an ounce of life. Your morality never produced a single ounce of life. It was only the goodness of Jesus Christ that any of us speak anything of value. That it's only the goodness of God that flows out of our mouth that brings life. Your goodness did not bring you life and it will not cast life. So when we recognize our power, what we find is that truly we're powerless that on our own we cannot speak life. We are powerless to do it on our own. Listen to what James 3 verse seven says. That all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. When we recognize our power, we realize we have none that the only way our words give life is through the power of the Holy Spirit flowing out of you. See, when we recognize our power, what it reveals is it reveals and it makes us realize our need. That for us to speak life, we've gotta recognize our power and allow our lack of power for us to realize our need. 
that our need is great for Jesus to be big. Our need is great for him to speak life through us. But that's the only way life will be spoken. And you think about it, what could change? Think about what would change in your household if you were intentional about letting God flow through you in a way that life is spoken. What would it change this week if all the things you did around the dinner table only celebrated the successes of your family? Then instead of just focusing on the failures, what if with your kids this week you celebrated the successes? And I'm not saying like, let your kids just do whatever they want to and run across the street and be like, oh, I'm just speaking life this week, not gonna let it, no. Like, parent well. But what if we celebrated our students' successes, our kids' successes, instead of solely focusing on their failures? How would that change? How would it change the bickering and the arguing in our marriages? If instead of walking in and seeing the dirty clothes pile, we walked in and saw the kids that have been well taken care of, or we saw the men and women who've worked hard that entire day, or who actually needed a break and have worked hard their whole life and needed a break, and we celebrated the successes instead of focusing on their failures, what would it change at the workplace? Where instead of griping about the boss, we begin to celebrate our boss's successes to our coworkers. What would it change if a room this size began to speak life for those that don't know Jesus? How would it change Facebook and social media if we made it an intentional effort to allow God to flow out of us? And that only happens by us drawing near to him by him working out the character that's going on inside of us. That's the way that we begin to speak life. You know, as we do it, we begin to mimic our God. That you think about what Jesus did. Every step of the way when he was on this earth, he spoke life. You think about what he said to the woman who was caught in adultery and thrown at his feet. He said, I don't condemn you, but leave this life of sin. He was speaking life. You think about what he said to the man on the cross next to him, that he said, listen man, today you will be with me in paradise. He spoke life. Even to the men that had just nailed him to that cross and were dividing his clothes, he said, Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. That Jesus spoke life to the dead man, Lazarus, who was in the tomb, and he said, leave behind the grave clothes and come out that that's who Jesus is, that everywhere death is present, Jesus speaks life. And in the life of those that know him, we have the same power living inside of us. So it shifts our entire course. It shifts our tongue so that no longer is our tongue angry, our tongue is full of joy. That no longer is our tongue selfish, our tongue is compassionate. No longer is our tongue prideful, our tongue is humble. No longer is it full of hate, it's full of love. That Jesus came to take away the dead tongue that you have and make it a tongue that is alive in him. And when it becomes that, the darkness has no power over it. That the power of a tongue that's on fire for Jesus has the ability to speak life where only death has occurred before. And if you know Jesus, that's the power living in you to speak life into your family to speak life into your business, to speak life into your coworkers, to speak life to the men and women who are far from him. That is the power and the call you have been given. But if you don't know him yet, and maybe today you sit here with a story that's been written all about death, I gotta tell you about a God that brings life. 
that Jesus came to bring you life. Not for you to try to figure it out on your own, not to come up with a moral checklist, but to give you life in him. And as you draw near to him, the overflow of your character will be words of life. Can we praise him for that and pray to him today? God, we're grateful for moments that we can be reminded just of how good of a God you are, that you sent your son Jesus to die so that we could have a life, that you sent your son Jesus so our tongues could have life. And Jesus, I pray right now that you would give us the ability to see you clearly. I pray that you would let your Holy Spirit flow out of us in a way that the darkness could not ever hold a candle to it, that they would never be able to touch it, Father. That there would be so much life being spoken in our midst that we would see dead men and women come to know you. That we know that's the power that you have given us as believers in you. We pray that we never lose sight of that. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m., and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.